All right, John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine. There's the I am statement that Jesus makes to his disciples on the last night of his life on earth before he was crucified. He says, I am the true vine and my father, true to Jesus. He won't just talk about himself. He has to talk about his papa. My papa, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The actual translation is not he cuts off. Papa doesn't cut branches off. But he takes them, as we learned in our, in our word study a couple weeks ago, to himself. He takes every branch that isn't bearing fruit to himself. And he takes them into intimacy with him in order that they might, in order that we might bear fruit. He takes us away when we're not bearing fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. Then he says, you are already clean. Remember the word prune, the word clean are the same word. It's a play on words here. And he tells his disciples, you're already clean because of the logos, the word which I've spoken to you. And how many know Jesus is that word? right? The word of the Lord for 2018. Jesus is why we're clean. We're not clean because we've been doing a bunch of stuff right. We're clean because Jesus says we're clean, right? Because of the sacrifice of Christ. So verse 4, he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him he will, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, nothing of eternal significance. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, this is where we're going to dig in this morning. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That sounds like a really great, wonderful sermon topic this morning, doesn't it? Just very comforting words from Jesus. This is a warning, right? Jesus gives warnings to us because he loves us. But keep in mind, we, we learned this a couple of weeks ago, the purpose Jesus is, is sharing this, and he says it in this very, this very message, in this very chapter, is so that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be full. So he wasn't sharing this with them to bring them down or to lay a heavy weight on them. He was sharing this with them because he wanted them to participate in the joy of a fruitful life, all right? So this is an encouraging word, actually, from Jesus with a warning tucked into it to say, if you choose not to abide in me, Here's what you can expect will happen in your life. So he spells it out, and we're going to dig into that this morning. But first of all, in your notes, just a reminder that bearing fruit, not, not producing. None of us can produce fruit. It's just plastic fruit if we try to produce it on our own. We bear fruit. Branches bear fruit. Bearing fruit is about learning to abide. Let's just quick reminder from last week. To abide means to live conscious of our connection to Jesus. Jesus isn't teaching us that sometimes you're in me and sometimes you're not in me. Some, you know, you may be saved at, at you know, right now, whatever time it is, 925, but when you walk out the door at 1005 and you get mad at the person who's parked behind you or in the wrong spot, then you're out and you're not, you're not in me anymore, you're not saved anymore. He's not talking about whether we're connected or not. He's talking about whether we're aware 
Are we conscious of our connection to Him? That's what abiding is about. If you want some background on that, I encourage you to go back to the past couple of weeks of sermon. But I wanted to lay that groundwork before we hear the warning. Let's remember what he's talking about. He's talking about living a life that is consciously aware moment by moment. Because that's what the battle's over. The battle is not just over that you prayed a prayer one time and accepted Jesus. Absolutely, there's a battle over that. But most of us in this room have prayed that prayer and said, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. If you haven't, you'll have an opportunity to do it at the end of the service this morning. Most of us have done that. That's not what the primary battle is over for us now. The battle is over our moments. Where is our mind in our moments? This is over consciousness, awareness of the presence or our connection to Jesus, being aware that that reality is reality to us at all times, all day long, every moment of every day. So in the midst of that, Jesus says, here's what happens in those moments when you're not abiding. Now, if I had a show of hands and said, how many of you this last week, 100% of the time, were always aware of Jesus' presence Could anybody raise their hand? I mean, 100% of the time, you never one time drifted out of awareness of Jesus' presence. How many of you would say, there's at least once that I did wander out of my awareness of Jesus' presence? You want to join me? My hand is in the air, right? What, what what, What I believe Jesus has challenged me in in my life is not that I have this expectation that every single second of every day I am always aware of his presence. That is the goal. That's out there, right? And there will be at some point, praise God, that we will all 100% of the time be aware of Jesus. That's where we're all headed, right? That's where we're all headed, that we will be 100% conscious of him at all times. But on this side of the transition out of this form of life that we're in right now, the battle is over our moments. And my challenge from the Lord to me is to see those times when I'm forgetting where I'm connected to see those shrink and to see those times when I am aware of his presence and I'm aware that he is speaking to me and aware of what he's doing in my life to see that grow. Because in your notes, neglecting, abiding has deadly consequences for us. There are deadly, I use the word deadly because it's a strong word. I thought of several different words that I I could have used, dire consequences, difficult consequences. But I wanted to be as strong with what I am saying as what Jesus was when he spoke to his disciples. He used several different examples of here is what happens in those moments. Please know that this parable is not about their eternal destiny. That's not what this is a parable is about. There's stuff in the Bible about that, right? Jesus does talk about that. That's not what this parable is about. This parable is about what happens in your life in those moments when you and I are not living conscious of our awareness. This parable is not about hell. There is fire in this parable, but this parable is not about hell, right? We, we get fire happy sometimes. You know, everything fire must be, must be hell. Well, actually, our God is a consuming fire, if I remember right, right? So not every mention of fire has to do with hell, and this one definitely is not about that. This is a message to his disciples about this is what's going to happen, guys, in those moments when you choose to live a life that's disconnected from your awareness of my presence. It says here, let's look at it in, I, I used the Holman Christian Standard Bible in your notes. 
One, because very literal transla- translation. It's a, and, and, and then the way it words it just really spoke to my heart. If anyone does not remain in me or remain aware that they are in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. That doesn't sound fun, does it? Well, of course, it doesn't sound fun. Jesus intentionally uses language that isn't fun here so that we can realize there really are consequences to our choices that we make. And he loves us all the way through them. There's not a point in time in this parable when Jesus does not love his disciples. He always loves them. He even says, greater love has no man than this. And he lays down his life for his friends right in the midst of this discussion. Right? He doesn't stop loving. But we have certain things that we will experience in our life when we choose to live life, those moments that are disconnected from him. The first thing I want you to notice about this, and I think this is important, is that Papa does not throw you aside or into the fire. This isn't about what God does to you, right? This isn't about what he does to you. If you'll notice, it says they gather them and throw them into the fire. When Jesus wants to talk about his papa, he says that's who he's talking about, right? He says, my papa takes you to himself in intimacy when you're not bearing fruit. But when you choose to live a life disconnected from your awareness of me, then here's the things that you're going to experience. And he uses the term they. They gather them and throw them. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But here's what he says will happen. Okay, we know papa's not doing this, but here's what happens. First of all, you're going to experience this, this thrown aside, what it is to feel thrown aside. Here's what that word actually means. To let go of a thing without caring where it falls. To let go of a thing without caring where it falls. He who is not abiding in me is experiencing letting go of something without caring what the consequences are without caring where the branch falls. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to make the choice I want to make right now. And I'm going to choose to live my life disconnected from him. You say, well, I'm actually not doing that. I'm not consciously choosing to disconnect. But here's the deal in your notes. Not choosing to abide is choosing. Moment by moment, abiding is a choice. Moment by moment, last week, remember we talked about one of the ways we can come back to abiding is all throughout our day to say, Jesus, what do you think about me right now? Jesus, what is your heart? And allow him to speak those words to our heart that bring life and bring us back to awareness of our connection that we have with him. But you're like me. There are times during the day when I'm not choosing to do that. Not choosing is choosing to let go of our only life-giving source with no regard for the destructive consequences. Not abiding is, that's when we sin. That's when we sin. When we're abiding or when we're aware of God's presence, when we're aware of his love, not just I know there is a God. James says even the demons know that and tremble, right? But when we're aware of his love, and we're aware of his presence, as we learned a couple weeks ago, that's when we're not sinning. That's when we're not, those moments when we're not sinning. But when we, when we, drift out of that and we lose our awareness without regard for the destructive consequence just let go and it doesn't matter sometimes they are conscious choices let's get real right sometimes we just out now consciously say you know what i really don't give a flip 
Anybody ever been there? I really don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do right now. I'm going to have me four or five ding-dongs. I don't even care what the Holy Spirit's telling me that's going to do to my body. I'm going to do it anyways right now. I'm consciously throwing aside that witness of the Spirit inside of me that wants me to have a healthy life and is speaking to me about living and making healthy choices. And I'm not regarding the consequences. I'm throwing away. So that's the idea of thrown away. Who cares about the consequences? Here's the thing, though, I've noticed about myself. Maybe you've noticed this. Sometimes we neglect communion with Christ, and when there are negative consequences, we blame him. Anybody else ever done that? I am so tired of being in this dry place. I've been in this dry place for so long. And and God, why don't you? And God, where are you? And God, what's the point? And God, and we, we go to we go to which is exactly what Adam did, right? In the when he chose to disconnect from awareness, he and Eve, right, chose to disconnect from awareness. Same thing. What's going on here, Adam? That woman you gave me. <laughs> First, he blamed the woman. Still happening today, right? Then he blamed God. That's, that sometimes we find ourselves in those places in our lives. Now, I'm not saying everything bad that happens to you is because you don't abide. There are definitely negative things that happen in people's lives in the midst of their abiding. But here's the deal. When we're abiding, those external circumstances will not destroy us. I didn't say we'll never die or we'll never have problems. But I did say they can't get on the inside. Those negative things that are going on or what somebody else is perpetrating against us cannot destroy that connection that I have on the inside with Jesus. And I know that connection when I'm abiding. So he says the first thing that happens is a disregard. Who cares? I'm throwing away. I'm letting go. I'm not choosing to abide. But here's what happens then. He withers. He or she withers. When we're not abiding, we're withering. What does that mean? To become dry. When we're not abiding, we are in process of withering. We're letting go of the conscious awareness of Jesus. And at that very moment that we're letting go, we are in the process. We are partnering with dryness, with withering, with not being aware of the presence of God. Here, and sometimes we'll even say things like in your notes, well, I'm just going through a dry season. My friends, that is a lie. For the believer, a dry season, I, I, I know I'm saying this strongly, a dry season is a lie. It could be dry everywhere outside of you, but it is never dry in here. Not if you believe he is who he said he is, and I believe he is who he said he is. Here's what Jesus said in John 7, verse 38, just a little bit earlier in this book. He who believes in me, this is, look at this, this is, a, this is abiding definition or description. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in and relies on me. As the scriptures have, have said, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow, what? What does it say? What's the word after flow? Oh, everybody see that word? The Amplified Bible is catching the tense of what the writer is saying, what Jesus was saying. He didn't just say, 
Every once in a while, those who believe and trust in me, showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Anybody else sing that song besides me when I was growing up? Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Kind of like the cowardly lion, right? Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. We used to sing that when I was growing up. And it is, you know, it, it always comes from I'm dry and I need some source out there. God, you're up there. Would you up there send some showers down here so I could get just a little drink? I just want a little taste of what you're doing, Lord. Jesus said, he said this about us, guys. That when we're believing, when we're trusting, when we're relying in, on him, and again, we're hoping those moments grow in our lives. When, when we're believing and relying and trusting on him, then from our innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. But I'm in a desert. Then water it. God has placed a river on the inside of you and I that is never going dry. The river is never grown. You and I were not meant or destined to wither. Jesus doesn't give this part of the story as an encouragement for us to wither. Sometimes you will wither so that the Father may teach you a lesson. He doesn't say that, right? He says when you're not abiding, when you're throwing off that awareness of, of your connection to me, you're going to experience a feeling of dryness. Because you're not drinking from the rivers of living water that never run dry. Powerful stuff right here. The next thing he says is, here we're back at this phrase again. So you're withering, and then they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they, the ones that are gathered, are burned. The branches that are gathered are burned. What, what is Jesus saying? Well, first of all, he uses they. King James says men. That men will gather them. And then that's how it would have happened in, in a story that Jesus was telling. Everybody would have pictured it that way. The branches fall down, some men come and pick them up, and they're no good for anything now but fuel. They're not bearing fruit anymore, so let's put them in the fire, because at least they can keep us warm that way. So the men would gather them. However, I think Jesus maybe had more in mind than that, because uh, Paul tells us that we actually don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness, the one who wants you to wither is your spiritual enemy. The one who wants you dry and to believe that you're in a dry season so you'll stay there, the one who wants you to be disconnected from your awareness of Jesus is, is the spiritual realm, our enemy. The dark spiritual realm that wars against what God wants in our life. The battle, listen, the enemy can't just come and jack up your life and mess up your life that's really the battle is not over him, him just saying you know i think i'll go kill the christians of course he's trying to do that right heidi baker's got people right now where she's at ministering in mozambique that are struggling in that thing right now people are being beheaded of course he wants to 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 kill the christians but but primarily for most believers right now the battle for us is and this is what he's fighting for even for those that are in threat of having their head cut off. Because if their head's cut off, they don't lose. They win. Am I right? You can't lose now, guys. If, if he killed our body, we don't lose. 
We win. That's not what his primary battle is over. His primary battle is over no matter what situation we're in. Are you aware of who you really are? Are you aware of what you're really connected to on the inside? Who you're really connected to? Do you know who lives in you? That's the battle right there. He wants us to be convinced that we are disconnected and God is not for us and God is actually against us. He gets us to believe a lie and then we experience the fruit of that lie. That's his game, right? So when Jesus says they gather them, of course it could be manifesting through people in your life. Here's what happens. You know, it's when we don't abide, we allow them, whoever they are, to dictate our direction and we burn out. We allow them, we allow the enemy to use them. And before we all get thinking, yeah, all of them out there, sometimes we're the them, right? But we allow them. When we're not abiding and aware of the presence of God, then we allow someone else to direct our life and to tell us which direction to go and what we ought to be doing and where we ought to be going and how we ought to be living and what ought to be going on in our life, what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing and how we ought to be helping them more and how we ought to be doing this. We live in the tyranny of the urgent and we live under someone else's direction constantly. Jesus says, when you're looking to them, they're going to gather you up and you are going to burn out. When your eyes are focused on them, I didn't say we don't need them, we need each other. I didn't say we don't help each other, there's a place for healthy help. But have you ever noticed Jesus at the pool of Bethesda steps over a bunch of sick people to get to one guy? You remember the story, right? There's no one that ever came to Jesus that he did not heal. But there were times that Jesus walked past John, what is it, John 5? All the people that were at the pool of Bethesda, he goes for that one guy, and he lifts that guy up, huh? Wow, what a thought, huh? What a thought. So when we don't live consciously aware of Jesus, they will gather us up. We will be looking to, to them to tell us where we ought to go and what we ought to do. And they'll dictate our lives and we'll burn out. I don't want to be burned out. How about you guys? Anybody, anybody want to be burned out this morning? Because here's a good prescription of how to do it if you want to, right? Just live unaware of your connection to Jesus and you can burn out. But we don't want to do that, right? So let's go to verse 7. Everybody with me this morning? If you are aware of my presence, if you're abiding in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow, now that's a powerful promise to follow up after this warning that he's given, right? <laughs> Let's read it again because it's really good. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here's one of the things that Jesus is saying. Abiding is always about what Jesus is saying right now inside of us. He says, if you abide in me, and then he says this phrase, if my words. This is a different one. When he said, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, that was logos. This is a different Greek word. This is the word rhema. If you abide in me, in my rhema. What is, what is rhema? Just a little review. The freshly spoken word or the present voice of God. 
What is God currently saying? We cannot live off of what he said before. In fact, I read the Bible not to see what he said, but to see what he's saying. How many know the word of God speaks? It's not that the word of God spoke, but the word of God speaks. He speaks to me on the inside. He causes scriptures to come alive to me in this moment. What is the present truth? Uh, Peter uses that word in 1 Peter. He talks about present truth. There's all truth throughout the scripture. But what's the present truth that God is speaking to me about right now? The present voice of God. What is the thing he's, he's there's life on it when, I, when I'm reading or when I'm sharing with somebody or when I'm spending time in my devotional time. What is their life on? So how, how do we receive rhema from God? Just a, a review of, we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. Here's how rhema comes. Rhema, the right now word of God that you and I need, comes as spontaneous thoughts that flow into your mind from the Spirit. Those spontaneous thoughts that begin to come alive on the inside of you it may happen while you're reading Scripture. It may happen while you're praying. It happens all day long, actually. When we're living aware, when we're aware, we're paying attention. To, oh, wow, that was God. He... He actually was just saying something to me. He was speaking something to me on the inside. I love this verse where Jesus says, of myself, this sounds like John 15 again, of myself, I am unable to do anything. Well, he just said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing, right? And he says this of himself. Of myself, I am unable to do anything as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. As the voice comes to me. As those rhema words come to me, Jesus says, then I make my move. Then I know what God wants for me. So how do you hear God? Like that seems like such a big subject. But here's a really simple, Dr. Mark Verkler, some great books on this whole topic. Here's one of his sentences. Hearing God's voice is as simple as quieting yourself down, fixing your eyes on Jesus so you get your focus, Tuning to spontaneity, what is just popping into your mind, coming up from your spirit, and then writing down what he says to you so you don't forget. Simple. Isn't that simple? Quiet yourself down, fix your eyes on Jesus, tune to spontaneity, and journal. Write down what he's speaking to you. And throughout the day, you can do this too, not just in your quiet time in the morning. I have found that I forget what I journaled. Anybody else that happens to you? I forget what I wrote down earlier during the day. Then I'll go back and read it and go, oh my goodness, if I would have revisited this, or if I would have went back and read this again, you were speaking to me about this this morning. But if all day long I'll be asking the Lord, what are you saying? Remind me of what you spoke to me this morning. What are you saying to me now? What are you speaking to me now? And tune in. We can learn to tune in. in we can practice it in the quiet. But you and I can learn to tune in in the midst of the noise too. We can learn, as Tom says, to tune to channel one. To the frequency, God is speaking, what is he saying? Here's what he says. When we're living in this place, his words are abiding in us. We're abiding in him. His words are abiding in us. His rhema, we're listening to what he's speaking to us. You ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, either Jesus is a liar, and this isn't true, because when I was a kid, I asked to walk on water, and I stepped out and fell in. So either Jesus is lying or I was missing something, right? What does he say? When you're abiding in me, I'm in you. And when you're listening to what I am currently saying to you, 
When you're listening to what I am currently saying to you, in your notes, prayer will always be fruitful when we pray back to God what he's currently saying to us. I love that. I love that. Pray back to God doesn't mean you got to go somewhere and get on your knees and, oh, thou auspicious father. But simply dialoguing with him all day long, right? God, you're speaking to me about this, this area in my life right now. So, Lord, I speak that promise back out. You're, you're speaking to me to, to put my faith in you is my provision. So I pray that out to you right now, God. I, I pray back to you that I agree with you, Lord. And you are my provision, and I don't have to trust in anything else. You are the one who takes care of my needs according to your riches and glory. And I just begin to dialogue with him about what he's saying to me. That prayer, Jesus says, ask whatever you want. When my words, when you're paying attention to my words, then you ask whatever you want, and it is done for you. Because you're praying in alignment with what I'm saying. I've said this a lot of times. I love this, this statement. Prayer is not about getting God's attention, but it's about releasing his intentions. We do not pray to get his attention. Oh, my goodness. How many of you know we're the apple of his eye? How many of you know he loves us so much? Jesus didn't come because we got his attention. <laughs> right? He didn't show up on the planet because we got his attention. He showed up and got ours. Big difference, huh? He gets our attention. Prayer does not get a you know, disapproving, bored you know, God who's sitting on his throne. Oh, well, wow, that person really has faith, so I'll pay attention to them. Or one that's so busy with stuff going on in the Middle East, if I pray right, he'll listen to me. Prayer doesn't get his attention. He's already listening to you. He's already talking to you. Already, right now. Right in this very moment. He's saying things to you way beyond what I'm saying in this sermon. He's speaking to your heart. He's speaking things to you beyond what a pastor is speaking. He's got individual things he's talking to you about in your life. Take those things and pray them back to him. Pray them back to him. That's powerful. It releases his intentions in the earth. Look at verse 7 again. Let's look at the whole verse in context now. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's this idea that we pray back to him what he prays to us, but he's saying more than that in this verse. I believe in what, that. I wouldn't have shared it with you guys if I didn't believe it. I believe that. But he's actually saying more than that in this verse. Fruitful prayer is not just parroting God, but it's partnering with Jesus. It's not just repeat and repeat. Simon says, I will bless you. I will bless you. Say it back to him. And there's power in that, but he's saying more than that. He's talking about this idea that if you abide in me, if you live aware of me, and my words are alive on the inside of me, you're giving space to them, there's this partnership going on between us, then you're going to bring your desires to the table. I don't know if my desires are godly or not. Well, here's what Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. Interesting phrase, that word desire, interesting word. If you break it down, D means of, sire means father. When we spend time with God, he fathers desires on the inside of us. And so then we can begin to 
to, to bring to the table in prayer things that are stirring up. And it's just not like we heard the Lord say, thus saith the Lord, this is what I want you to do. And then we just go do that. But we begin to notice there are certain desires. There are things that we're longing to be involved in. Like, I want to be involved. I felt something leap on the inside of me when someone brought up that missions trip that they were going on to India. And something inside of me started to come up. So you bring that to him. Not because he said, I command you to go to India. Oh, he might do that. And how many of you know it's the best thing to do when he does is to do it, right? But one of the things that happens as we mature, as we grow, is he starts saying to us, what do you want? Because you've been spending time with me, the desires that are fathered on the inside of you or the desires that have been placed deep in your heart since before you were born, you just didn't know about them yet. I want you to bring those to me. Not just commanding you to do it, but saying, hey, whatever you wish, whatever you desire, bring it to the table and let's start having dialogue about it. Let's start talking about the desires of your heart. Because when you're spending time with me, I'm molding your heart. That's what it means to delight. It actually means to be pliable. That's the Hebrew word. When you're pliable in the hands of the Lord, when you're, desi- when you're delighting in him, and he gives you the desires of your heart. In your notes, the question should not be, are my desires from God? The question should be, with what or with whom have I been in communion? Oh, Bill got, Bill got a good one there, didn't he? Bill Johnson's quote here from Dreaming with God. Great book. With whom or with what? This is what we're talking about. Abiding. Where am I abiding? What am I consciously aware of? What am I giving? Who am I giving my brain to? Who am I yielding my mind to? Because Jesus says, if you're just yielding yourself to me, my words are abiding in you, I'm speaking to you, you're talking to me about your desires, you are going to have what you desire. Why? Because I fathered those desires on the inside of you. I fathered you to a point where you can begin to trust that I lead you by desire. That's quite a thought, isn't it? I lead you, I begin to lead you by the desires that are on the inside of because your desires begin to be shaped and begin to conform to the will of God. And you don't have to fear, oh no, what if this is not of God? Oh no, what if it's not of God? If it's not of God, he'll let you know. He doesn't want you living in fear. Your, your goal is, my goal is not just to try to figure out what I'm supposed to do and whether if what I'm doing is right or wrong. That is low-level living when I live there. It's actually death. It's yucky. I wither. Why? Because I'm focused on me and what I'm doing. My goal is to abide, to live conscience of his presence. And then as those desires begin to bubble up on the inside of me, to pay attention and to dialogue with him and to hear his voice speaking to me in this moment and to lift my life from the life of Jesus that he has provided. He is the vine and we are the branches. And when we're living lives, when we're living our lives aware of him, we will bear much fruit. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, don't have to bow your head. Don't have to close your eyes. There's nothing to be ashamed of in making a decision to give your life to Jesus. He's your glory and the lifter of your head. You're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I, I want that kind of relationship with Jesus. I've not prayed a prayer to, to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my source, you're my vine. 
you're everything to me. I've not prayed a prayer to surrender my life to him. You, if that's you this morning, raise your hand real high and say, all right, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm, I, I'm hearing what God's saying to my heart. Maybe you haven't even heard a word I preached because all the whole time I've been preaching, all that was going on was Jesus pulling on your heart, saying, come on. Come on. Go ahead and surrender because everything I've got for you, everything I've got for you comes from a good heart that loves you. This morning, right now, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, anyone that needs to raise your hand real high, just myself and Pastor Tam is seeing out there. I want to agree with you if that's you. So if you're like me and you just want to give Holy Spirit permission to tap you <laughs> when you are drifting away and beginning to wither, if you want Holy Spirit to, to speak to you, I don't want those consequences Jesus was talking about. How about you guys? I don't want to throw it away, disregard who he says I am and who he says he is. So if you're like me and you just want to surrender to him again afresh, just want to slip your hands up to him. Lord, we lift our hands to you today just as a sign of surrender or posturing ourselves in this moment. Because this moment is all we ever have. And in this moment, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're reminding us how much we're loved by Jesus. Jesus, you're speaking to your people. I want to take just a moment and let him do that. In his presence, you can, you can lower your hands want to maybe you want to take the posture of your hands out like this in a receiving mode not because he's out there he lives in you but it's just a way of showing him i'm open to whatever you want to speak to me you just posture your hands out in front of you if you want to do that we, we give you room for a rhema word from you right now to our hearts just picture yourself like we talked about seeing jesus smiling we talked about this last week you see his smiling face right now because that's where he's speaking from from his smile even in correcting you. The scripture says it's a child that he delights in, that he corrects. <laughs> Only Jesus could do that, correct you while delighting in you. So right now, let's just, let's just wait, all of us, let's just wait for just a moment to see who he wants to speak to us. Well, just look and listen. showing you maybe you're here and you say well i just feel like i'm under too much pressure to to hear from god and i just encourage you to get in a quiet place sometime maybe later tonight whenever it works for you just get in a quiet place look and listen see what he speaks to your heart what spontaneously begins to flow up from your heart many of you did see here sense something return to that maybe you need to write it down today when you get a chance so that you can remember what he's showing you what he's speaking to you when my when you abide in me and my words abide in you you ask whatever you wish will be done for you. That is a powerful statement, isn't it? That's a lot better than withering and burning out. You know, that's positive motivation. It's like, if you don't, here's the negative things that are happening, but oh my gosh, if you do, 
So today, since before your life and death, I mean, the Holy Spirit's enabling us to choose life. Amen. Have an amazing day. If you want to see prayer, come receive it this morning. You guys are absolutely stinking awesome. Have a great week. Go out and give them.